God wants his people to have absolute trust in him. His goal for us is that we would relax in his word and begin to accomplish the things that he's purposed for us to do from the foundation of the world. Unfortunately, the enemy has caused many of us to lose our faith in God's ability because many times we make the mistake, instead of considering the power of God, we consider our own abilities. But I'm here today to tell you that it's all about God. And if we can begin... If we can begin to operate in the power of God, eyes have not seen and ears have not heard the things that the people of God will do. I want to go very quickly to the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5 through 9. In the interest of time, I will go ahead and read and you can catch up with me as soon as you get it. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, in winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry it at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is open to me, and there are many adversaries. May God add a blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. In the text today, the Apostle Paul is addressing the infant church in the city of Corinth by a letter. He disappoints them in the letter by informing them that he won't see them for a while. He encourages them by telling them that at a very near future date, he will be with them. But for now, something has come up that has compelled him to change his plans. He must spend an undetermined amount of time in the city of Ephesus because a wide door of opportunity for effective service has been opened up for him. He indicates that this is a great and promising opportunity that he simply cannot miss. I would like to use as a subject today, Lord, help me to recognize an open door. Would you say that with me, Lord? Help me to recognize an open door. In the letter to the Corinthian church, Paul's language is descriptive and paints a vivid picture of an open door. Picture, if you will, the door of your house wide open right now. Don't jump up and run out and check. It's not open. We're just visit. We're, 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 we're imagining that for a moment. In this mental picture, Paul evokes uh, a rich uh, symbolism with deeper meaning. A door is a sliding or swinging barrier by which entry is closed or open. A door defines one space from another. A door separates the inside from the outside. It separates one room from another room. It's a barrier to entry. Paul sees a door which has been a barrier to entry into the sinful city of Ephesus. This particular door he is speaking of is an invisible door. It cannot be discerned with the human eye. It's an unusual door because this door is selective in what it blocks from entry. Some things are blocked from entry into Ephesus and other things are completely welcome. The door does not block the entrance of physical things. It blocks only the entrance of the things of God. People can come and go as they will. Sin is welcome, but God is not welcome in Ephesus. But now Paul is optimistic because this unusual door that has been a barrier to the things of God entering the city is now open. Open means made available for entry or passage by turning back a barrier, removing a cover, or clearing away an obstruction. 
Paul sees the barrier removed and an open door of opportunity for the gospel to take root in the sinful city of Ephesus. There is now a great opportunity for Ephesus to experience the move of God because the door is open. There's an opportunity for Ephesus to disclose or reveal something to view for the people of Ephesus that could not be seen by them because the door was closed. Paul's heart leaps at the prospect of sinful Ephesus becoming enlightened by the presence of God. Isn't it wonderful when the presence of God comes in our lives? Has anybody seen a dark life, a dark situation turned around by the presence of God? So Paul sees an opportunity for Ephesus to be turned around by the power of God. Enlightened to the things of God, the Ephesians were spiritually blind to. Here is an opportunity for their enlightenment. And if you think about it, Paul understood the demonic impact of closed doors more than most people. Paul, or Saul as he was known at the time, was deceived and confused and blinded to the fact that Jesus was truly the Son of God. The door to his heart was closed and locked. He sincerely believed that Jesus was a fake and that Christians who worshipped him were blasphemers. He could not see that Jesus was the Messiah. And remember, he was on the road to Damascus to persecute the Jews when he had a life-changing experience. He was struck physically blind to emphasize an even greater problem. He was spiritually blind. Ultimately, through obedience, his physical sight was restored, and for the first time in his life, Paul could see spiritually. In fact, his name, signifying change, was changed from Saul to Paul. And from that time forward, he was relentless in his pursuit of fulfilling the will of God. Now, Paul, understanding that God can change anybody because he personally experienced the change of God in his life, now Paul sees an open door of opportunity in Ephesus. He does not see it with his natural eyes because this open door is invisible. What he sees is spiritually discerned. How many know that some things can't be seen by the natural eye? And that's why the church is in need of spirit-praying folks because some things can only be discerned by the Spirit of God. There was a time when folk came into church and they would look at you and tell whether you were right or wrong. Discerning is important to carry out the, the will of God. Now, when, 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 let's take a look at the city of Ephesus at the time all of this was happening. About 133 years before Christ was born, Ephesus became a part of the Roman Empire. Over time, it became a prosperous city. The population had grown to about one half million at this time, and Ephesus, has, Ephesus had become the second most powerful city in the Roman Empire. The city's importance came from its economic clout. It was derived because it was on major trade routes. And secondly, it had clout because of its religious prominence as a center of worship for the goddess Diana. Diana, as the goddess was known by the Romans, and Artemis, as it was known by the Greeks, was portrayed as being armed with a bow and arrow. You will note that I did not say she, I said it, because Diana is not real. Diana was made and fashioned by men. Diana's domain was that of nature being portrayed as a mighty huntress. She was sometimes seen chasing wild animals, other times dancing and playing and bathing with her companions. Diana was a de demonic creation of somebody's mind. Not real, just the product of a mind out of control. Out of control minds can conceive some of the craziest stuff in the world. Any witnesses here today? that an out-of-control, un, un, unholy mind can conceive impossible things. The worship of Diana was depraved and animal-like. And that's what happens when you worship the creation of the creation instead of the creator. 
at the heart of the city of Ephesus was the temple of Diana. It was a pagan temple where idols fashioned by man's hands were worshiped in degrading ways. Worship was fanatical. Worship was frantic. Worshippers would offer costly offerings and rich presents to the temple uh, for the priest of Diana. No wonder the priests worked so hard to perpetuate the myth of Diana because they profited by it. And a great gain came to the silversmiths of Ephesus who made and sold small images of Diana. The, heart, the temple of Diana was the depraved heart of a depraved city where everything and anything evil was welcome. The temple was considered one of the seven wonders of the world. People flocked to see it and watch it and loved to sit and watch the evil worship activities that went on in the temple of Diana. The temple was also the banking place for all merchants and everything in the city evolved around and revolved around the temple of Diana. To make matters worse, Ephesus was given over to superstition, magic, and occult openly inviting demons to flock to the city of Ephesus. And the powerful Roman government was openly opposed to everything that was of uh, a spiritual and of the true and living God. Making matters even worse, the Jewish synagogues in Ephesus bitterly opposed what Paul preached. Paul was under attack from the world and he was under attack from the church. This is a situation in which Paul said, I see an open door. Didn't look too promising, did it? But opportunity does not wear a sign that says opportunity. Many people spend their entire life looking for an opportunity to show up that says opportunity. But opportunity does not wear a sign. And opportunity rarely looks very good. In fact, opportunity is usually unattractive and most of the time downright ugly. Opportunity is buried under rubbish. It's buried under the rubbish of failed efforts by uncommitted men to try to deal with it. Opportunity is frequently disguised as hard work and that eliminates about 98% of the people because most of the people don't wanna do work. Do you know that West Angeles just didn't pop here? That this cathedral didn't just rise up from the ground? But somebody made up their mind they were gonna roll up their sleeves and bring the will of God to pass on this street. Opportunity is frequently disguised as hard work, but we got to work it out. And most people are looking for an easy route to success. They want to witness to those people that look like they're going to hear what they have to say. Open doors call upon you to do that which you are most uncomfortable with. Moses, with your bad stutter, your assignment is to talk to Pharaoh. Your assignment is not to write to Pharaoh because you can write, but your assignment is to do that which you're unable to do. It's amazing to me how often God calls upon us to do that which we cannot do ourselves. Open doors of opportunity challenge your very sense of who you are and what you are supposed to do. They attack your self-confidence. They challenge you physically and psychologically. There is a divine plan at work in this because God uses these situations to get us to trust in him. When we succeed in what we can do personally, there is a tendency to give our own selves the credit. But when God sets us up in a situation to do that which we are incapable to do, even the hardest heart has to stop and recognize that if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I wouldn't have been able to do it. I wonder if any of you have accomplished anything in your life that you know that you wouldn't have done if the Lord had not been on your side. Reach over and tell your neighbor, tell him it's not about me, it's about God. The God that I serve is an able God and there's nothing too hard for him. 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. Open doors are not really about us and what we can do. They're about God working through us. The thing I love about our presiding bishop is that he allows God to work through him. And he's not limited by the mind of a mind, but he uh, stretches out into the mind of God. And in the mind of God, anything is possible. For those of you that are struggling in situations that you don't think you can get out of, let me tell you, in the mind of God, there's already an answer. God already knows how to bring you out. And not only does he know how to bring you out, my God can bring you out. I wonder if you would witness to your neighbor because perhaps they're going through something and tell them that the God we serve can bring you out. Don't you despair. Don't you worry. Your God is an able God. Your God is able to bring you out. He can bring you out. In the text today, Paul, full of faith and 2020 spiritual vision, sees opportunity in the most improbable situation. He is not led by feelings or reason positions. He, he's not led by what comes to his mind, what his mind uh, comes up with, but he's led by the pure knowledge of God and what God is able to do. Knowing how great God is, Paul looks at the difficulty of the, of the city of Ephesus and in his mind he says, this is nothing for the God I serve. Would you tell your neighbor, whatever it is you're going through, it's nothing for the God we serve. He's able to do it multiple times. He can, he can bring you out. He can, he can make a way out of no way. He can open doors. He can give you favor with the king. My God can do anything. Oh, I feel my help coming now. I, I feel the presence of God in this place. Since his Damascus Roads experience, Paul operates in faith. And now Paul sees an open door. When it comes to open doors, location and timing matter. Paul didn't see the open door in Corinth. That's why he changed his plans. Paul saw the open door in a specific geographic location. The open door was in Ephesus. Uh, see, open doors have a specific geographic location. That's why some don't experience what God has promised in their life because they're in the wrong place. If you want to experience the power of God, you got to be in the right place, doing the right time. And then open doors have a precise time and they have an expiration date. Somebody said to me once that you can't die until you fulfill God's purpose in your life. I beg to disagree with that. The cemetery is full of folk who are in the wrong place at the wrong time and never fulfill their destiny. Tell your neighbor that you better get in the right place and, and you better show up on time because your anointing has an expiration date. If you don't do it, God is going to snatch it from you and he's going to give it to another because the will of the Lord will be done. Hallelujah. So my cry unto the Lord is, God, if you're going to do it, do it through me. God, if you're going to make a way, make a way through me. God, if you're going to use hands, use my hands. God, if you're going to use feet, use my feet. God, whatever I have, I surrender to you. Have your way in me. Use me to your glory. Use me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Paul sees the open door in Ephesus and he sees it now. 
He sees the open door in Ephesus and he sees it now. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? This is the day that the Lord has made. When God reveals an open door to you, you have to go through it before it closes and before you lose your anointing for the time and place God have called you. At that moment, David, God reveals an open door. At the moment he reveals an open door, you are anointed, you are assigned, and you are appointed to walk in. Tell your neighbor you are anointed. You are assigned and you are appointed to walk in. And through the and, 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 and then go on and throw, tell them you better move. Come on, tell them again, you better move. All y'all spend your day on the on the on the rocking chair waiting for a better tomorrow. This is the day. You better get up off the rocking chair of, of, of your, 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 your inactivity and you better move. You, you better be about the plan of God. Don't worry about the resources. God is responsible for resources. Israel received their resources on the way to the promised land. They didn't pack them up in the in the land of imprisonment, but they got them in the wilderness. Let me tell you this that if you get it in the move, God will provide the resources. God will open doors. God will put your name in the mind of the king. God will make a way out of nowhere. God will give you to the presiding bishop. God will use his power and authority to open doors for you that you could not open for yourself. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome. Our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome. Our God isn't us. Our God isn't us. Our God isn't us. Our God isn't awesome. Oh, bless your name. Oh, bless, oh, bless, oh, oh, bless. Oh, bless, oh, bless. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. How many of you have looked at your Ephesus and decided to move on to greener pastures? You said in your own mind, those people are too evil. They're too ghetto. They're too ignorant. Those people are too much under the influence of Satan. For us, it's a waste of our time. But let me tell you this, God can save anybody. I'm here to tell you today that the worst possible situation that you can find yourself in is an open door. And I also want to tell you that the best possible situation you can find yourself is an open door. And any scenario in between is an open door. All things do work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are the called according to his purpose. So Paul writes to the Corinthian church to tell them his trip would be delayed because he chose to stay in Ephesus because a door stands wide open. With all the sin in Ephesus, Paul thought how brightly and gloriously would shine the gospel of Jesus Christ. My prayer today is, Lord, help me to recognize an open door. Would you reach home and tell your neighbor, Lord, help me 
to recognize an open door. An open door is an ob- a door of obligation. You have to go through it. When God opens a door for it, you have to go through it. In his letter to the Corinthians church, Paul didn't say it was open to Timothy or Barnabas or anyone else. This was Paul's open door. If God opened it, he has a divine reason. Yours is not to reason why. Yours is but to do and to die. When God calls you to do something, it's not up to you to think it through. It's up to you to move out by faith. Tell your neighbor, move out by faith because God has a blessing for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Giving no regard to the opposition he faced, Paul came into the city of Ephesus with his mind on ministry. First, he came to a group of believers and he said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? And they said, Holy Ghost, we've not so much as even heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Some of us would have left there saying, these people don't know anything. I'm out of here. But instead of bad-mouthing them, Paul laid hands on them. And the scripture says when he laid hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. And then it went on further to say they didn't stop there and they prophesied. We need to quit talking about how bad everybody is and we need to go back to laying hands on them. We need to quit fussing at Junior and we need to go back to laying hands on him. We need to open up the anointed oil and step out on faith and declare things that are not as though they were. You need to start speaking over your children and tell them, son, you're going to be saved. Son, you're going to be in the church. Son, you're going to be on fire for God. Son, it won't always be like this. I see an anointing on your life. And then you need to lay those sanctified hands on the crown of their head and declare that it is so in Jesus' name. It is so. lesson is to learn from that Paul tore down ignorance. Eventually he left the synagogue and he went out and preached on the streets for two years and the scripture says that Paul God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul and, and the people experienced this so much that they came to him and from his body uh, from his clothes uh, they took and tore him up and made handkerchiefs and, and they passed them out to the sick and diseases departed from them and evil spirits went out of them And he was having so much uh, uh, doing this that unbelievers were watching it. And y'all remember how the seven sons of Shiva, uh, uh, the chief priest, decided that if Paul could cast out devils, they were going to do it too. So they came up to a man and began to try to cast out devils in the name of the God of Paul. And and that demon said, we know Paul, but... Uh, we don't know you. And, and you know, they began to whoop him and that was the first recorded streaking in the world. You saw the sons, seven sons of Shiva running down the street naked and a fear fell on the city when they saw this. Jews and Greeks and the name of the Jesus was magnified. And as a result, many believed and changed. Magicians and soothsayers were saved and burned their books. You can't tell me God can't serve, save anybody. 
the name of the Lord was being lifted up and God was beginning to prevail in what appeared to be a hopeless situation. Today, we, we, we have gangbangers and molesters and, and murderers and liars and, and all kind of things. But if, if God can save magicians and soothsayers, surely he can save them too. But part of the problem is the people of God have given up on God's ability to get it done. We've lost our confidence in God's ability to do it. We got to go through the door again and, and we got to go through in faith believing that God can do anything. So when the bishop summons you to activity, you're not going to be able to reason this thing through in your mind. From this day forward, you're going to step out in faith. If the leader said that I'm going and I'm believing God and God is going to make a way out of nowhere. God is going to turn this community around. He's going to turn your house around. He's going to turn your life around. He's going to turn your finances around. God is an able God. How many know that God is an able God? Somebody's suffering here today. Somebody's even thinking about what they're going through. But I am here to declare in your spirit that the God we're here to worship today is an able God. And in the name of Jesus, I command that demon ethmonic influence over your life, over your marriage, over your relationship. In the name of Jesus, I command demons to flee. It is so in Jesus' name. I command the spirit of poverty to go from your house. I command the spirit of slower self-esteem, depression, and defeat. It got to go now in the name of Jesus. The blood, the blood cover now and the blood make whole now. Tell your neighbor by faith, by faith, I believe it. By faith, by faith, I receive it. By, by faith, by faith, I'm walking in it. By faith, by faith, it is so. Paul preached the gospel until silversmiths were really upset because their idol-making business was destroyed. And with power and force, Paul and his tiny church overturned the economic system of the city. All this because Paul saw an open door. Not only did he see it, Paul recognized it. And Paul walked in that open door. You got to see it. You got to recognize it and you got to walk in it. Get up on your feet and pick up your leg and make that anointed step. I'm stepping through my open door. I'm, I'm stepping into my season. I'm stepping into my anointing. I'm stepping into my opportunity. It is so. This day signals a change. Shout it out. This day, this day signals a change in my life. This day signals breakthrough in my life. I'm going in. I'm stepping in. The water is troubled. I'm going in. I'm going in. As jacked up and messed up as things appeared, Paul believed God and God changed the situation. Look, look at the paradigm. If we believe God, God can change anything. The just shall live by faith. If we believe God, God can do We just believe God. God can. God can do. 
let me try to bring this to a close. Right now, God is moving obstacles so that the church can have access. God is opening doors and taking the church through places we never dreamed we would be. He has given our leader a word and our leader has recognized the open. <laughs> but not only does he recognize it, he reached back and he's taken us in with it. Come on and go with me to my father's. Same-sex marriage is, a, is abounding. Homosexuality is running through the land. Civil rights are going backwards. Open your eyes. In this season, this is an open door. Bishop Blake has challenged the entire church to, to, to believe that we are called uh, uh, to witness to a deeply distressed and troubling world. We are called at this unique moment. This is a Paul Ephesians moment. This is a moment when the church ought to move forward. And what better place for the anointing to begin than in the home church of the presiding bishop? What better place for the power of God to fall than right here in Los Angeles, California. I wish you would shout out, God, let it fall, let it, let it fall on me. Let it fall on the bishop. Let it fall on my house. Let, let it fall, God. Lord, help me to recognize an open door. Help me, God, to go through this open door of opportunity. When I step out by faith, when, when I make a one step, God puts in place a whole series of processes. When, when, when I do, all I have to do is operate in faith. The God who sits in heaven puts things in motion and everything that we need starts coming our way. All we got to do is take the step of faith. God doesn't even make us responsible for provision. He makes us responsible for submission. When I submit to God, when, when I just tell God to have his way, God, here I am. I'm feeble flesh. Here I am. I made mistakes in my life. I, I messed up. I made the wrong turn. But God, this day, I'm, I'm making up my mind that I'm going to walk with you. This is a brand new day. This is a day of anointing. This, in fact, is my day of breakthrough. If you can just declare it, you can have it. Somebody need to shout it out. This is my day day of breakthrough. I've been in the dark. I've been in the shade. I've been in difficulty, but this is my day of this is my day. This, 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 this is my day of You know, you see, boldness has genius and power in it. Boldness has the genius of God and the power of heaven in it. When we step out on God, God steps into our situation. And from the day we step out, it indicates that tomorrow is going to be different. My home is going to be different. My church is going to be different because I recognize an open door. More importantly, I'm going through that open door because it is so. How many of you experience an open door in your life? God has been talking to you. 
even some of you that have been struggling to live right. God has been talking to you. God has been trying to lead you to an open door. And some of you that have been living all you know to live, God been talking to you too. In fact, God wants all of us. Tell your neighbor he wants all of us. He he don't just want me. He, he, he don't just want you. He, he wants all of us. He, he wants the short ones and the tall ones. He, he, he wants all of us. He, he wants the rich ones and the poor ones. He, he wants all of us. He wants the educated ones and the not so educated. God wants all of us. He wants the ones that came in a Volkswagen and the ones that came in a Rose. He wants all of us. understanding that listen to this I can't be mad at somebody that's blessed because God wants all of us sometimes we look at folk that are blessed and we have a problem with that if God can do it the way I look at that is God is trying to show me something he's trying to show me that he can do it uh, when, when somebody with blessings, when Bishop showed up in my life, when he began to speak into my life, what God showed me is that he can do it. And I'm going to be honest with you. From the time I start hanging out with Bishop Charles Edward Blake Sr., my ministry has exploded. Doors have opened and ways have been made for me. You better be careful who you walk with. You, you better be careful who you talk with. You better be careful who you associate with because this is your season. You're getting ready to go through your open door. You're going through your door of anointing and purpose. How many ready for an explosion? I'm, I'm ready for an explosion. I'm ready for a breakthrough in my life. Here I am, God. Have your way in me. I don't, I don't care how I look to other people. They may think I'm crazy, but God, I just want more of you. Have your way in my life any way you want to. I got to close down, but I, in my closing, I always believe that God deserves a praise. Praise is the greatest privilege that the people of God have. I believe, you see, I, I believe that God is neither schizophrenic or insecure. God knows who he is. Before he created man, he was as much God as he ever would be. And if we never praise him, it will never change his feelings about himself. God knows who he is. So when I praise God, I do not change God because the scripture says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what I found out is that when I praise him, I change. Praise releases my faith. Because when I look back over my shoulder and see what the Lord has done for me, now may Israel say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my, how many can say if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side? Now, come on, open your mouth, lift up your hand. Come on, you got your breakthrough today. Come on, break out, open your mouth and give God the glory, give God the praise. He's worthy. Hallelujah.